Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Turn to your Bibles real quickly um, to 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It'll come up on the screen. And I'm going to read it. It says, Now, I'm reading from New King James. It says, Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken to captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, whatever her name is, the Jezreelite and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Come on, don't pretend you don't do that sometimes when you read the Bible. You don't know how to say all their names either. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. I want to just preach from this story um, this morning. And I just want to share some things out of this story. This is a powerful moment in the life of David. And we know something of the life of David through the Bible and different things that have gone on in his life and challenges that he's had. David is known as one of the greatest worshippers in the Bible. He's known as a phenomenal leader. The Bible talks about David as being a man after God's own heart. And in this story, what's happened here, David has faced incredible obstacles even in this moment right now, but in the times building up to this moment. This is almost like it's a breaking point for David. And and what's happened is in this story, as he's he's gone, you know the story of David, he's anointed king in front of his brothers. And then then he doesn't go from, he gets told of this, of this call of God, if you like, that's upon his life. But, but the call didn't take the path that he thought it was going to take. You would think if you're anointed king, the next thing would become a throne or a crown or authority. It doesn't go that way. He ends out in a field and he's with sheep and he's got a harp. And, and you know, he's, he, it sort of begins, it's almost like right from the start, he, he's on the back foot. It's like he gets this call of God, but then everything starts to take a journey. But then he, you know, he has a victory against Goliath, and then and then Saul he has position there, and and he gets some favor there. But Saul is a little bit of an unstable dude. And what happens with Saul is Saul goes from one minute he sort of likes David, and the next minute he hates David. And and if you read throughout throughout the Bible and you look at what happens, Saul ends up hating David, and he gets jealous of David, and he and he seeks out to kill him. And they go through the desert and Saul's chasing him down and David ends up double backing and and comes back around against Saul and has an opportunity to kill him. But he doesn't. He continues to honour him, continues to do good. And then he tells Saul of the opportunity he had to kill him. He's like, hey, I was going to kill you, but I didn't. You know, let's be nice now. Let's play cool. So Saul is like, okay, I'm sorry. It's cool. But then the next day Saul goes back to hating him again. 
You know what I mean? Saul's a bit all over the place and then he hates him and then he's after him. And then David again has an opportunity to kill him. And then David's like, listen, remember, I didn't kill you, you know. Like, stop chasing me, you freak. Like, give me a break. And Saul's like, okay, bro, it's all good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the next day, Saul's like, I hate you. I'm coming after you. It's like, it's this crazy journey. Then, then, then in the story, what happens is, is, is when David comes and, and he comes back and, and he sees this guy Nabal and then he, he wants to sort of become friends with Nabal and he's like, hey, bro, can you help us out? Give us some food. And Nabal's like, forget you, I'm not helping you. And then, and then David gets rejected again from this dude. And, but then Nabal ends up dying. So David takes his wife. So I sort of got you now type thing. And he gets his wife. And then, and then what happens is they, they, he goes... He goes, so his own people, his people have turned, Israel's turned on him. So he sort of becomes friends with the king of the Philistines. He's like, hey, bro, like, you know, can we sort of hang? Like, everyone hates me. Like, you know, let's be mates. Let's be, we say mates in Australia. You guys say like, I don't know, like buddies, I guess. Friends, whatever. And, and, and so they're like, and, and the king's like, okay, cool. You can roll with us. And then they go and, and so they're about to do this battle. They're about to fight this battle. And, and David's there, you know, he's with the Philistines now. He's sort of feeling like he's one of them. He's like, hey, I'm with you guys. You know, we used to be against each other, but now we're friends. He's high-fiving dudes. He's like, cool. But then all of a sudden, just before the battle, the Philistines are looking around. They're like, why is this guy here? He shouldn't be here. And David's like, hey, it's all good, man. We're friends now, you know. And so they go to the king and they say, listen, this cat shouldn't be here. You know, like he shouldn't be rolling with us. And the king's like, yeah, but I like him. And they're like, we don't care. We don't want him. So the king goes up to David and he's like, listen, bro, I know we're friends, but you got to bounce. This is not working. You know, we're just, we're just not into this. And David's like, really? You sure? You know, I'm a nice guy. I've got some dudes. We can help. Like, he, I'm, 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 we're having fun. I'm messing with it, but I'm trying to paint a picture for you. David's, he, he keeps having to bounce back. He keeps coming up against things and he keeps, but then finally he, he leaves this battle and he's like, okay, cool. It's all right. And, and, and he goes home. And when he gets home to where he was, the Amalekites have come in and they've taken the wives and they've taken the children. And it's almost like David has this moment of breaking. This moment where it says they wept. I love the wording. It says they wept until they had no more power. I want to tell you, when you get to a place when you've got no more power, you're about to step into something supernatural. When it all boils down and when you go through the hits and the bumps and the journey and the hurt and the challenges and you get to a stage where you can just say to God, God, I got nothing left because God can only fill an empty person. And when you get to a place where you're completely empty before Him, I want to tell you that's one of the most powerful places you can be because God's about to fill you up and do something supernatural in your life. But you've got to get to a place where you're empty with nothing left. The power of coming to God with nothing left. That's why fasting is so powerful. What we're doing is when we fast, we're emptying ourselves. We're emptying our flesh, so to speak. We're getting broken. We get to that place of, in a sense, it's almost like natural, if you like, weakness, natural sort of like 
God, I'm tired. You get Sometimes you can feel physically tired. Sometimes you can feel like the cravings are coming on. You get to an, an empty place. You get to a, 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 a poured out, I like to call it a poured out place where you've poured out everything. It says they had wept until they had no more power. You know, that's one of the most powerful places you can be in your walk with God when you get to a place, when you get to a stage where you say, God, I've, listen to what you're saying, I've got no more power. Do you hear what I'm saying? I've got no more power. That's where God says, great, because I'm the all powerful one. And what I need is I need someone that will humble himself enough to say, I've got nothing left. So there's none more of me. I need all of you. And that's where God will come upon you. You get to this stage of, 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 of brokenness, of emptiness before God. An empty place. See, it's not about when you fast, it's not about just getting hungry. It's about where you take your hunger to. During a fast, you can take your hunger you can take your hunger to the fridge. You can take your hunger to frustration. You can, but if you take your hunger to God, see, we've got to make sure, but, but it can be in that empty place. It can be in that broken place. We can do stupid things we're in an empty place. In the story of Samson, what happened? Samson got to a place of brokenness. If you know the story of Samson, Samson was married. And Samson married a Philistine wife and her, and her dad set her up with Samson's best friend. Samson's away. Imagine that. Samson's away. He comes back and his wife just hooked up with his best friend. And then what happens is Samson gets mad. And so what he does is he gets foxes. It's a true story. He gets foxes, sets their tails on fire. Like what a creative dude. Sets their tails on fire and sends the foxes running into the fields and sets the whole place on fire. I thought that was quite creative. I thought this dude's... But then what happens is the Philistines come back and they kill, they, and they actually set on fire his wife and her dad. Samson gets this place of brokenness. But the problem was with Samson, what did Samson do? Samson got to a place of brokenness, poured out, but he took his brokenness to Delilah. See, where you take your emptiness, where you take your brokenness, will determine how much power or defeat you walk in. If you take your brokenness to the things of the world, you're going to walk in defeat. If you take your brokenness to something that cannot sustain you, you'll walk in defeat. But if you can take your brokenness and your emptiness to the presence of God, God will fill you up. You'll get a dose of the Holy Spirit like you never had before. It's getting to that place. I want to encourage you when you're fasting, don't just get hungry. Don't just, don't just sit there and think about how hungry you are. How many people have found yourself doing that? You just sit there. How many of you will be watching the Food Network like never before? <laughs> you know, you start doing stupid things when you get hungry. How many, how many men want to be honest? You tried to put a steak in a blender this week just to see what would happen. Mix it up. How many people have Googled, Googled meat smoothies to see if it works? All those people on a Daniel fast that are loving popcorn and hash browns right now saying, yes, that's not fast. I mean, look, it might be, I don't know. People rolling through McDonald's saying, I'll have 20 hash browns, thanks. Daniel fast. <laughs> Guacamole and corn chips still is coming out of your ears. <laughs> but you would get at that place of emptiness, that place of, of hunger. It's taking, it's taking that to God. This was what was powerful. 
about this moment. God loves it when we lay down our power, our strength. I can't do it anymore. Just make sure that you're saying that in the presence of God. Make sure you're getting with God. I can't, I can't do it anymore. That's a great place. It feels like a place of weakness, but you're really in a place of strength because when you can't do it anymore, you're about to step into what He can do. What did Moses, what did God say to Moses? Moses had the staff and the staff represented your strength. It represented your authority and the staff was what you lent on. But then when God brought Moses before Pharaoh, what did he say to him? Lay your staff down. The moment he put his staff down, the moment his power left his hand, God's power kicked in and did something supernatural. God, I feel, is encouraging some of you and saying the reason why it's a challenge, the reason why it's hard is I'm just trying to bring you to a place of being poured out before me. When you pour out before Him, you'll, re- you'll experience Him do something supernatural in your life. And he goes on in the story. And in First Samuel 30 verse 6 is a powerful moment because it talks about where things have gotten so bad. It actually says the people turned against David. They're ready to stone David. They've weeped out. They're broken. They're, they're in this place of desperation, this place of being poured out. But then it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Another version said David encouraged Himself in the Lord. You get with God. When you get with God and you're poured out and then you get in the presence of God, you've got to understand there's a strengthening that takes place in the presence of God. But it takes something from our, it takes something on our standpoint from our level. We, we've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm poured out, but now I'm going to get strong in God. I'm not going to get strong in my natural ability. I'm not going to get strong in my natural gifting. I'm going to get strengthened in the Lord. When you get in the presence of God, strengthen yourself in the presence of God. I said it last week. If you don't leave your prayer time with God feeling refreshed, maybe you're not praying. Maybe you're complaining. Sometimes we just complain in the presence of God and call it prayer. You've got to get poured out and then you've got to start getting some strength in the Spirit. You've got to start declaring some things over your life. You've got to start getting a strategy for strength. Get some, get some Scriptures that, you, that you're standing on. Write them down in your room. Write them down on your bed, bathroom mirror. Write them down uh, in your car. Write them down in your notebook. Declare them over your life. Get some strength in God. It's a powerful thing when we can get strengthened in the Lord. See, the reason why David was able to do this, it, it takes something. This is, a, this is a bad moment for David. This is a, this is a moment of, of complete and utter, everything's gone bad. But David is able to strengthen himself in the Lord. How was he able to do that? How do you stand strong? When all hell comes against you and you're at rock bottom, how do you keep faith? How do you stay in the presence of God? How do you stay in that place of faith when when a loved one dies, when a 
spouse leaves you, when a diagnosis from the doctor comes, when a kid's fallen away from God, how do you stay in that place of strength? You've got to exercise. You've got to practice a lifestyle of being strengthened in Him. If you are not strengthened in Him with the small things, you'll never be strengthened in Him with the big things. The Bible says, be faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with much. I want you to think of David's life. How was he able to do this now? Because he lived it all his life, strengthened in God. He gets anointed king in front of his brothers. His brothers go off to fight the battle. David is just being called to be king. You're going to be king. And now go and be a shepherd boy. Go and deal with it. Go play your little harp under a tree with a lamb. You're telling me he didn't have this moment of insecurity? I mean, bro, I would just sitting under a tree with a harp. There's nothing strong about that. You got an opportunity right there to be so bitter. I'll be so mad. My brothers have gone off. I'm the king. I'm chilling there with a sheep. Come on, let's be real. You've got an opportunity right there to be down. You've got an opportunity to take on rejection. You've got an opportunity to be hurt. You've got an opportunity to be frustrated. But what does David do? He takes what's in his hand and he just begins to worship God. He begins to get strengthened in the presence of God. He begins to just lift up the name of Jesus. Even though it hasn't worked out the way I thought, I'm just going to keep praising Him. Even though I thought I was going to be on a throne, I thought I would get a crown. I thought being a king would look better than this. I'm just going to praise Him. I'm going to strengthen myself in God. It's a lifestyle of being strengthened. Why do people fall apart when hell hits them? Is because they haven't practised a lifestyle of being strengthened in God. Faithful with a little, faithful with much. When little things don't go your way, don't flip a lid, don't get crazy. Just say, you know what, God, give me the strength. If you can't do it in the little, you won't be able to do it in the big. And what it says is in the verse is powerful because it says David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. In the Lord, his God. You cannot, when all hell comes against you, you won't be able to strengthen yourself in grandma's God. You won't be able to strengthen yourself in your mum's God, in your dad's God, in your spouse's God, in, in your friend's God. You're going to have to, in your pastor's God, in your leader's God, you're going to have to strengthen him yourself in who you know him to be. You're going to have to have a revelation of who God is for yourself. When you're facing that diagnosis and you're facing those challenges, you cannot stand on someone else's revelation of God. You're going to have to have your own verses. You're going to have to have your own own touch of God. You're going to have to reach up from heaven yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I need you now. I know that you're good and I need you in my life right now. You cannot stand on what someone else has been believing for. You've got to get to a stage and hear me when I say this, you've got to get to a stage where you are strengthened in who you know your God is. When we sing these songs, do you know that He's good? And if you don't, because I dare say there's a room this side, this size, and I've talked with many people that if people are honest, they sit there and they sing the song, but there's doubt. I don't know that he's good. I got questions. 
If God's good, why did my son die? If God's good, why have I got cancer? If God's good, why is my marriage falling apart? That's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to have those questions. But you know what? Take those questions to Him. I dare you to get in the presence of God and get real with you. Some of you, you'd step into the greatest moment of breakthrough if you would just get real with God and voice what's really going on inside. Get with God and say, God, what about this? I want to tell you, you get with Him and you say, what about this? And you, are you, but what that is, is, is being poured out. You pour out and you'll get a revelation and a touch of God that'll give you such a sense of His goodness. Even when you cannot explain what's going on, you'll be able to stand on an encounter and a revelation you had despite your situation that you know God is good. I've had to go through challenges and you know I've talked about many times before of, of losing a best friend and, and challenges like that where I had to take that to God. Some of you, the greatest revelation you'll have, the greatest prayer time you'll have is where you have, take a moment and just get frustrated with God. You know that it's all right to do. I know it rattles some people's thinking. We forget that this whole thing is about relationship. Sometimes, or in fact, most of the time, the people you're closest with are the ones where you've had the biggest knockdown drag outs. You know that your best friend, your best friend is the one that you shoot straight, isn't it? Your best friend is the one where something's going on. The strong marriages are the ones where they just communicate straight up. If something's going down, if there's a frustration, you guys have it out. But you know what? You walk out together. You walk out in unity. You've got to do that same thing with God. When you've got something going on, when you're not sure about it, when you're feeling upset, when you've got a question, when, you've got a, when, you, when you wish God would have done it this way, I want to tell you, get with God and say, God, why? Ask Him those questions with an open heart. You say, God, why did this happen? What's going on here? Why would you do that? Why would you allow that? I don't get this about your nature. I don't understand that. This doesn't make sense to me. And I want to, you get in the presence of God like that and God will pour out on you and you will get so strengthened and you'll get a revelation of who He is. When you understand His nature, when you understand who He is, it deals with those issues and those questions that we have because the reality is we're not going to always be able to work it out. We're not going to always. The Bible says His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes the reason why people find it difficult to grow their relationship with God is you're so busy trying to fit a supernatural God into a natural mind. You think you're going to be able to understand that all of the things of God in your thinking, you're kidding yourself. He doesn't, what He does is He deposits into our spirit and into our heart. And it's opening your spirit before Him. And this, was, this is what we need to do in, in order to be strengthened by Him. He practised this lifestyle. I love this story. It says that when David was strengthened by God, what happened was these men that are around him, these dudes are freaking out. In fact, they're so mad now. They're mad at David. 
And it says they turn to David and they're ready to stone David. And what happens is, and understand these dudes, these dudes are, 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 you know, these dudes are rejects, basically. The Bible says that when they gathered with David, they were downtrodden, they were discouraged, they were in debt, they had issues, they, but they gathered around David. And so now they've, they've gathered around him, now they've turned on him, now they're facing him and they're ready to stone him. But what happens is when David strengthens himself in the Lord, the rest of them are strengthened as well. See, sometimes God is just looking for one person, just one person to step up. Just one person, perhaps in your high school, perhaps in your college, perhaps in your workplace, in your family. He's looking for one family member that would strengthen themselves in God. And you watch the rest of your family come under what you've got from God. When you're a leader and you've got leadership on your life, He's looking for one person that would dare to believe. Are we willing to be that one person? Are we willing to be that one person that will go against the grain of how everyone else is feeling? That's what a leader is. What happens is we, you, you will never change the group that you're trying to fit in with. What we need is we need one person that's willing to stand. One person that's willing to see God and be strengthened by God. So many people say, you know, I'm a leader, I'm a leader. If you're leading and no one's following you, you're not a leader. You're just walking. (laughs) But sometimes what a leader will do is a leader will see what everyone else is doing, but see what you're called to do and go for what you're called to do, not what everyone else is doing around you. It just takes one person. There's one person to stand up, one person to believe. Maybe you feel like maybe you're on a fast for your family and you feel like it's hard because you feel like you're the only one. No one else is saved. You're the only one praying for your family. I want to encourage you. God just needs one He just needs one person to stand in the gap. He just needs one person to stand up and say, I'm going to believe for this. God can do something supernatural through one person. It's just standing up and it's just believing. And in this story is David goes on and David is strengthened. He steps into what God has for him. It's interesting in this story that while this is happening, I was talking with Pastor Rich about this during the week, but while all of this is happening, David, David's, he's anointed king from the start, goes through all of this craziness, all these ups and downs, and comes to this moment of breaking point. But while this is happening, He doesn't even realise, but remember the battle against the Philistines, the day they said to David, you can't roll with us. So he leaves that battle and he comes back and he faces this situation with the wives and with the children. What David doesn't know is while David is in the place of saying, God, I need your strength. As far as David is concerned, the throne is a long way off. But little did David know, if you know the story, Saul, who was king, is actually coming up against the Philistines in that same battle that David left 
And it's in that same battle while David's over here on the other side, missed out on the fight, missed out on the battle. He's just strengthening self in God, trying to be faithful once again. Little does he know the very throne that he's being called to take is being set up for him because it's in that same battle that Saul falls on his own sword and Saul dies and the throne opens up to David. But he had no idea what was going on on the other side side. I want to encourage you this morning that even though in the natural it looks like craziness, little do you know what God is doing on the other side of the battle. He's setting you up to walk into your destiny and to walk into your future. You've got to strengthen yourself where you are right now. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. God is setting up your destiny. It's a crazy thought. David didn't even know it. It wasn't in front of him. How often do we live based on what's in front of us? What's going on in front of us? We're so reactionary. Don't react in fear, respond in faith. Reactionary, freaking out because of this. We've got to live in response to the call of God on your life. David was anointed king, yet he came up constantly, time and time again, against these things that were, you look at the thing that he faced, one of the biggest challenges he faced was Saul. Saul was in position of kingship. Saul had the throne that David was called to walk in. The very thing that David was called to walk in was the very thing that attacked him the most. I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're facing, you've got to believe that God will come through because no doubt, most of the time, whatever the area you've experienced, the most amount of attacking is the area that you're called to conquer and occupy. But you've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm going for this. What they say is, is about um, millionaires or billionaires, whatever it is, that they say something like every millionaire goes bankrupt three or four times. Very thing that you're called to have victory in is the very thing that the enemy will attack you with. Some of you that are facing the biggest challenges in your family, some of the most powerful families, you know, uh, you know, I've seen it so many times again, are the ones that had to fight all hell to get it. The enemy will come against. I always say whatever threatens the enemy the most, the enemy attacks the most. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart during this time of fasting. Go for what God has called you to walk in. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're, you know, I was talking with the, in, in the last service about when we had Dodie Olstein here, you know, a few last year and she came and she, she ministered to the women. And she comes and she's this little old lady that comes and carries so much power and so much authority. But she carries authority in the area that she experienced the most attack in. She was attacked with a diagnosis of cancer and now she carries an authority in the area of healing. 
Sometimes the very thing you're battling is the greatest thing that God's going to give you the victory in. But you've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Your destiny, the call of God on your life is going to require some strength in God. It will not, it will not just magically appear. We've got to learn how to fight as Christians. We've got to learn how to persevere. We've got to learn how to take the battle to the enemy. We've got to learn how to strengthen ourselves in God. And I want to encourage some people this morning that God has called you to walk in greatness. God has called you to walk in victory. And during this fast, I'm believing for the greatest breakthroughs that we have ever experienced before. I'm believing for the greatest miracles. I'm believing for God to do the greatest things we have ever seen before during this fast. But it's going to take people that know how to strengthen themselves in God. Just bow your heads right where you are, right across this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.